to the Cougar Tailgate, where BYU fandom lives. Here's your hosts, Jason Shepard and Lauren Klain. What's up, Cougar fans? It is great to be back with you, and even better, that it's on a game day. Get ready for the full Cougar Tail experience. I'm Lauren McLean. And I'm Jason Shepard. Thank you so much for tuning in every Saturday or game day. We'll be with you getting you ready for the game by getting to know the opponent and extending the BYU fandom to your living rooms, your cars, wherever you're tuning in. And today we'll be doing just that by talking to the play-by-play man for Troy football, Barry McKnight. And to the select BYU fans who are hoping to attend the game today, you can't. We'll be, <laughs> wah, talk- wah. <laughs> we'll be talking about what that means and how we feel this will affect you. Yeah, normally we would start the show by catching up on the most recent BYU game. But there wasn't a game last week, and we talked about the Navy game on last week's show, which, by the way, remember, if you ever miss a show or maybe you tune in late, miss an interview, whatever, check out the podcast wherever you get your podcast, or you can go to BYUradio.org. So for our Navy thoughts, you can listen back to last week's show uh, by going there and checking it out. And spoiler Things went very well in that game, so it was all very positive in talking about that. But, as you mentioned, we actually have an opponent to talk about today, and that is Troy. And not just some guy named Troy. It's Troy University. Oh, my gosh. And not Troy from High School Musical. Not Sorry. Troy. It's a little town okay, in Alabama. Can I, can Go I, ahead. Can Go I, I want to just... I don't know why... Getting in front of a microphone, it's like therapy for me. I, I divulge things that normally I don't talk about. I've Tell never me this seen is high about school high school musical. musical. Oh, never. Ship, I, I, wish, never seen I was hoping it was going to be, any of I have seen high school musicals one, two, and three no. multiple times. Even the fact that they were filmed here in the state of Utah. I have not seen one second of any of the high school musicals. <laughs> Here's the deal, and I'm okay with that. I think a lot of people are probably okay that you haven't seen those. I think they were worried, more worried that you were going to say you had seen them multiple That's times. That's fine. That's you do fine. have children, so you would have... I do have children. You would have an excuse to watch, but uh, anyway, we digress. The main character Again, in that film's why. name is Troy. Yes. <laughs> we're talking about the football team today. BYU isn't the only team in this matchup today coming off a convincing victory. Troy went to Murfreesboro, thank you, Tennessee, and handled Middle Tennessee 47-14. to It really wasn't even that close because MTSU put up a garbage-time touchdown late in the game. And honestly, wow, Troy looked very balanced on offense. They had three rushing touchdowns, three passing touchdowns, and... I think they look like a really good team. Yeah, they they are a good team. I mean, obviously, from a size standpoint, BYU is going to be the much bigger team. But skill position-wise, this is good. This is a good team coming in in Troy. I watched that game um, last Saturday, and a couple couple of things stood out to me. Number one, their offense is really fast. And I don't mean, like, get the ball and then run really fast. I'm talking about the offense. As soon as the play is dead, they are running back to the line of scrimmage and getting off the next play. Like, it is super up-tempo. Hmm. Like, for, for those that remember when Robert and I was, I was the offensive coordinator. I was just going to say, was it reminiscent of Robert and I? Go fast, go hard was his mantra. And as soon as the play was dead, they wanted to go to the next play. That's essentially what you see with Troy. So that's going to be, I think, something really interesting for fans to pay attention to in the game tonight is just how BYU's defense handles that up-tempo offense because Troy wants to go to the next play immediately. Yeah, that's going to be really familiar to watch for yeah. BYU fans. Do you remember BYU had a smaller team, and that's kind of how they compensated, yes. which is what Troy's going to be coming in and doing against BYU. Yeah, because BYU is going to have the size advantage, especially with this year's schedule. And we've got you know last week's show we talked about the schedule, and you know what it, what it looked like before is, is a lot different than what it looks like now. And so you have a lot of these smaller schools, and the athletes aren't as big mm-hmm. as as some of the other teams BYU to play. So BYU is going to have a size and physicality advantage in in almost every game that they're going to play. And that should certainly be the case against Troy as well. Right. And I bet Troy is coming in very well conditioned. But honestly, watching BYU against Navy, they also look very well conditioned and large. So so BYU should be able to handle this game. But Troy has had some iconic wins over the years against big schools. So you never know. This is not a gimme. This is definitely not a gimme game. And I'm, I'm hoping it'll be... Sort of a tight game just for entertainment value, Ship. Yeah, well, look, it's it's been a while since BYU's played a game. I mean, BYU, by yeah. the time the game kicks off, it's going to be about 20 days in between games. Yeah. And that's a long time. Both teams have only played one game. Yeah. You know, Troy's game last weekend was their first, but they're going from one week to the next. BYU's last game was three weeks ago. 
Right. So even though they've only played one game, one team's coming in with a little bit more momentum in terms of being able to play within the last week. BYU, I think that's one of the BYU interesting BYU had th- COVID. <laughs> Well, so. some, a very so, a very few number had COVID. Let's make sure that we, that we point that out. So, uh, something else to pay attention to today. We talked about the up-tempo offense for Troy. Their defense, one of the things that they're really, really good at is forcing turnovers. In fact, they're one of the best teams in the country. They were, since 2016, they are number two in the nation at forcing turnovers. At two That's incredible. Of like, all teams, of all they're teams, number two in the country. Of all teams. This is not just uh, from from the Sun Belt. Or, this is in college football. Number two in the country. So that makes it even more important for BYU's offense to make sure that they take care of the football. Yeah, last week, three interceptions and a safety. That mean, I mean, they are probably very well coached. Probably not. Not probably. They are. If they've been number two in the country since 2016 as this small school on defense, very well coached, very disciplined, I'm assuming. So BYU's going to have to watch for that. And you remember Zach Wilson against Navy chucked up a few, and that's okay. You know, like, that's great. I love the confidence of Zach Wilson. But but uh, I think uh, the Trojans are going to be something BYU is going to have to watch out for on defense. Yeah, this is uh, this will be a fun game. It really will be a fun game. As we mentioned, obviously not going to have the fans that we originally thought. We'll get into more of that conversation coming up a, a little bit later on in the program. Uh, this wasn't the only Sunbelt team on BYU schedule, by the way, that played last Saturday. Texas State picked up their first win of the season over conference foe Louisiana Monroe. I'm sure you checked out the... The the Texas State Louisiana Monroe game. Everybody's watching that one. Right? I was just gonna say it's so interesting reading these <laughs> these names and just watching the game. Oh. Just say you DVR'd it and you haven't got to it yet. I'm like conference foe Louisiana Monroe. Who? <laughs> the thing it's about a, Louis- it's an interesting season. The thing about Louisiana Monroe is that is in the area where uh, the Duck Dynasty folks. Okay. Okay. Are, are, well, that's where they live. Is is in Monroe, Louisiana. That so, makes it a little more interesting. See, now we're bringing it in so with some pop culture <laughs> We're making stuff. it relevant. And <laughs> as an independent, BYU always plays a variety of conferences normally, but this year will be very different from the usual and what was originally planned. We've got two from the Sun Belt, three from Conference USA, two from the American, one FCS opponent in the Big South. And if Army finds their way back on the schedule, come on, Army, a fellow independent. And all of that is pending further additions. We still hope to see as more schools make the decision to play in the fall. And that's that's happening. That's obviously some of the big news in the last week is that the Big Ten making the announcement. They're coming back to action. They're going to play in the fall. It'll be in late October. Pac-12 working on it as well. So a lot of these conferences that decided, and even have some some of the G5 conferences that are, that are into at least – looking into the possibility of coming back. So a lot of these conferences that, that were pretty adamant that they were not going to play in the fall, reconsidering a lot of that having to do with the availability of these these rapid result daily tests. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, that's it's something that, you know, with some of these teams coming back, most of them are going to be conference only. I think it will still be difficult for BYU to get any games with them because that's that's pretty much like with the Big Ten. It's going to be conference only. Pac-12 looks like everything's going to be conference only. I, I don't think BYU is going to be able to get into that. I think where BYU's holding out a lot of hope, and it's the reason why right now there's only one game in November, is because some of these games that are currently scheduled in November, if for some reason they get canceled and one team is still able to play, mm-hmm. maybe they will be looking for an opponent. That's where BYU jumps in. <laughs> so BYU's hoping a bunch of games get canceled in November. They're like, come on! They're like, hey, we don't want it to get canceled, but if it does, we're here for it. They're you. leaving notes on doorsteps like, hey, you guys don't want to play, I promise. Just so you know, we're available on this date. <laughs> so, play us instead. But it, Let's get know, them to cancel. It is a, it's a strange time because not you have... Some of college football playing, yeah, it's quote unquote, nor- during the normal time of uh-huh. the season. But then daily, you may have a game that's being postponed, or that game's going to be canceled. I mean, we saw with BYU the game with Army, and and now you've got teams that weren't going to play are now coming back in the mix. It is just a strange time overall when you think about sports in general. We're we're not even going to know what we're looking at. It's true in November, we're going to be like, what is happening? 
right now. Actually, November might be the most normal-looking month that we've seen so far. Yeah, you've got all the teams that you expect to see normally starting in September, and now everybody will be playing. At least we assume everybody will be playing come November. All right, coming up on the other side of the break, we'll get to know everything about Troy University as we talk to the voice of the Trojans, Barry McKnight. Stay here for more Cougar Tailgate. Did you know there have been two players selected in the first round of the NFL draft heralding from Troy University? DeMarcus Ware and Leotis McKelvin. Welcome back to the Cougar Tailgate. I'm Lauren McLean. And I'm Jason Shepard. During the season, the sound of a marching band will mean it's time to learn a little bit more about the team that BYU is playing. And that's Trojans One and All, the fight song for Troy University. And we are beyond excited to have the longtime play-by-play man for Troy joining us over Zoom. His name is Barry McKnight. Barry, welcome to Cougar Tailgate. Thanks for doing this. Great to have uh, an opportunity to visit with you, Lauren and Jason. Ease up on the long time, though. I mean, I, I, I feel like I'm freaking around here. No, we're doing strong down here, and we're really looking forward to this uh, to this football game. Now, now, Barry, I have to say, first and foremost, now, obviously, you're a broadcaster. It comes with the territory, but your voice is amazing. I just wanted to make voice. sure I said that. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> that. No, what to say when somebody tells me that. It's like complimenting somebody on being tall or... Or, uh, but I do appreciate that. Thanks very much. I didn't have anything to do with it. I guess it's genetic. <laughs> yes, exactly. Just gene- but your lack of a southern accent was slightly disappointing to us a little bit because we we love those southern accents. But I did hear you say y'all a little earlier, yeah. so that did yeah. bring a smile to my face. So we'll accept that. Where yeah, you originally I'm from? I'm from. from I've lived here. I've lived in Alabama. Okay. Where Troy has. I've lived here for a generation. I'm originally from Florida. The, the southern accent, believe me, I can, I can, I can sum it up if you guys want it. Believe me. you know, look, we would not be upset if at some point the the southern accent, you know, made an appearance. We'll just say it that way. So, as you mentioned, you know, we won't say how long you've been doing it, but you have been calling games for Troy for a bit. Let's say. What is your favorite memory of Trojan football through the year? If you can't come on one, maybe one or two memories that really stand out to you. Well, a couple of them uh, came late. Uh, In 2017, Troy went down to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and beat LSU Mm -hmm. uh, 24-21. It was... It was one of the great nights ever, maybe the biggest upset in college football last year. That year, Troy led throughout, but BY, I mean, uh, uh, LSU was edging in and edging in, and at the very end, it took a late interception to salt it away. And I thought my heart was going to burst by the time that happened. Uh, and then the next year, in 2018, Troy went to Nebraska and beaten Nebraska in Lincoln uh, and, and led throughout in that game as well. That one, like the, like the LSU game, was really no upset. Troy has had a really proud tradition of success in football, and uh, the last couple of years, three, four, five years, have really been sort of the 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 high watermark, so to speak, for uh, for accomplishments in the Division One A era. Anyway, that's fantastic. That that those are some iconic wins right there, and that's uh, something to hang your hat on. Like you said, they've they've had. Some they've had a great football program over the years, and very similarly to BYU, BYU um, has had some iconic wins over the the last few years. But this year, BYU's schedule is a little bit different. They lost their biggest rival, Utah, off their schedule, and you guys ended up with your rival twice, which is really interesting. So tell us about the game between Troy and MTSU. Well, the uh, we got to tip our hats to Tom Holmo because we've gotten twelve games, but like you said, we've had to play. We had to schedule two games twice. I don't know. I don't know how um, the athletic director at BYU has been able to to, to cobble together a schedule. There, it had to be um, we in order to get twelve games. We're only one of nine schools to have a twelve game schedule now. Uh, we had to to make some concessions. One of those was playing Middle Tennessee State twice, which has been a traditional rival of ours. We opened up last week up there, and we won it handily, 47-14, to 14, and we looked really good. And there were a lot of question marks on defense for us from uh, from last year when we were so injured and so 
thin. Uh, but the takeaway from that game for me is we've got a young quarterback that I think you'll at least enjoy watching compete. His name is Gunnar Watson. And just the absolute sheer joy of being able to play a football game. Yeah. My gosh, it seemed as though during this long offseason, we would never get to this point. We've had three different opening games scheduled at three different dates. And I really was skeptical to the whole thing until the opening kickoff was actually in the air. You know, I, as I was watching that game, because that was a game that was on in the afternoon. So, and with, you know, with not as many games being available to put on television right now, there are a lot of games that normally you wouldn't see on an ESPN or an ABC that are there. And so I was actually watching that game, and I kind of laughed to myself when when I saw you know Gunner Watson, the quarterback for, for Troy, and I thought, wow, come Saturday, there are going to actually be two Gunners. I wonder if that's the first time that's ever happened in a game because <laughs> Gunner Watson and then BYU has a Gunner Romney. Now they spell it differently. It's AR versus ER, but I'm wondering if we're going to have the first time with two Gunners in one game. Well, I tell you what, uh, as a broadcaster, the, the, the least we can have matching names, it's better for me because, <laughs> I, you know, believe me, I, I may call I may call Gunnar Romney, Gunnar Watson two or three times. I'll try to hold that down. Just stick with Gunnar and you're good. Yeah, just, just stick just with stick the with... first name and, and you can't go wrong. You know, I was uh, wanted to ask you about, and obviously you, you'll find out this this show is a little different in terms of some of the questions that, that we would normally ask, it's not as much X's and O's. It's more really to get to know the traditions and the opposing universities. And one of the things, because you mentioned the, the rivalry game with Middle Tennessee, rivalry game trophies or, or something that passes back and forth between rivals, that's something that's kind of a really cool tradition across college football. Is there anything that gets exchanged between Troy and Middle Tennessee or any of the other rivalries that Troy has? Well, there are there are a couple of rivalry games we have. The Middle Tennessee is the battle for the Palladium, and the Palladium Trophy gets exchanged. It's about four feet tall. It looks like it's made out of wood. It's actually, I think, pretty ugly. Uh, it's not a <laughs> but um, but you get one of those, and it always has the front seat on the bus heading back, and it's belted in and everything. We play against South Alabama um, later on. As a matter of fact, next week. Uh, at their place and that's a battle for the belt and that's really uh, that, that really resonates here in Alabama you've got a world uh, wrestling federation style championship belt it's huge with a big belt buckle and lots of chrome <laughs> and gold trim and all that it looks like something you'd see you know at a WCW event our guys love that one now that that one is something that uh, you know you sling over your shoulder and you walk down the street with some pride I was going to ask you if that gave the players more motivation to win that game <laughs> only for the fact that the uh, rivalry trophy is so much cooler. Yeah, it is definitely cooler. Now, some of the rivalries we see are not are not all that great. I wouldn't be particularly motivated to 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 fight any harder for an old oaken bucket or a golden <laughs> axe or some of the other ones that we have out there. So the palladium is serviceable. It definitely is something that you battle for. But once you've got it, you realize it's really not a whole lot to look at. <laughs> You take a look at it and you're like, ah, this isn't that great. So you you guys are the Troy Trojans and yes. you the Troy has been actually a number of things throughout the years. You've been the the Red Waves, the Teachers. The Teachers is my favorite yeah, Barry. I'm not sure the favorite. Teachers why the Teachers, but do you know the story behind the current mascot the Trojans? Well, it's a it's a kind of a, a multi-tiered story. Troy began as a teachers college in 1887, and that's why they're called teachers, which doesn't exactly strike fear, awe, and, uh, and shock amongst the opposition there. Um, and then they went to the Red Wave. Uh, Troy's coach was a graduate of the University of Alabama, which is the Crimson Tide, and there was sort of a takeoff about that, which really, you know, you, you don't really want to have something that's sort of a subsidiary of another school in the state. And so they put it to the students, and uh, they had a vote, in 1968, I want to say, they had a vote, and um, they voted right up until the opening game. So by the time the Troy team, uh, this was in the Division Two days, by the time the Troy team got on the bus to head on the road to their first football game, they didn't know what they were named. Once they got to the venue, they found out that the students um, bowed to logic and decided to call them the Trojans, being from Troy. So literally, I mean, you see in baseball a player to be named later. Well, for Troy, we were a, a team to be named later. 
What a crazy story. (laughs) That is that is crazy that they didn't even know what they were until they got there. So now this is this is obviously a couple of years down the road. But the fact that Troy is coming to Provo this year, BYU is going to return the favor and head back to Troy in 2026. Again, we realize it's still a couple of years away, but for anybody that may be into making long-term plans, if somebody is planning on going to that game, give everybody an idea of what Troy, Alabama is like, what they can experience, some of the things if they go they, they want to see. Give it, this is your opportunity essentially to be the, the, on the board of tourism for Troy, Alabama. I will give you a short travelogue of Troy, Alabama. It is the epicenter of humidity, number one. Uh, You can't can't take a step outside uh, when you come in. Anytime between, say, March and uh, early October, if the humidity is down below 80%, they're they're breaking out the parkas around here. Uh, But Troy is a very small town. I think out of all the 130 Division I-A football um, schools, Troy is located in the second smallest town in the country. Uh, The population here is about 18,000. We are not close to anything. We're an hour away from Montgomery, the state capital, and an hour away from uh, Dothan, which is in the southeastern part of the state where we're located. Uh, So, If you come down, you very likely will either fly into Montgomery or fly into Atlanta, which is about two and a half hours away. (laughs) And when you get close, you're going to swear you took a wrong turn. You're seeing cattle farms, you're seeing um, (laughs) pastures, hay fields, and you're thinking, how far in the world are we away from where I need to be? And then, boom, all of a sudden, here's Troy, 18,000, small, quintessentially southern town, but very progressive. And then you'll happen onto the campus, which is the prettiest campus in the state of Alabama. And you'll see a football stadium, which is right, you know, nestled in right into everything. There's not a ton of room. Um, And it is it is 30,000 seats. It is beautiful. We've got uh, new additions, uh, four or five of them in the last 10 years. It is a great place to watch a football game. It's everything that you'd like in a small town. And I've always said that I, you know, the best place in the world to live is a small Southern college town. Well, that's where Troy is, but it's really, really good big time football. We've had, um, we've had Missouri in here. We've had Oklahoma state in here. We've had Mississippi state in here. We played Navy and, and, and one here. We've had a lot of big time institutions that have come here and Troy has by and large held their own. So the fans are, are, are absolutely rabid football fans. It's a very small town, so you'll notice the fans all seem to know each other, and the football is always high quality. Uh, And the food is high quality as well. You owe it to yourself a couple of trips, a couple of tours through campus, and maybe uh, stick your head into one of the tailgating camps because they do barbecue right down here on campus on game day at Troy. Well, You're speaking my language there, Barry. That's what I was just going to say, Barry. I was waiting for you to get to the food because, really, that's – that's all we care about. No, I'm just kidding. That that sounds like a dreamy, dreamy town and uh, perfect for college football. And except for the feeling like you just got out of the shower, I think, with the humidity, yeah. that, would, that would be the only thing I'd leave out. But everything else sounds just absolutely perfect. Yeah. The, do, do not overextend yourself. You know, you got to pace yourself <laughs> because, man, it is, it, it is really hot down here. There's no getting around that. I've lived in the South my entire life. And and Troy is the most is the hottest place I've ever lived. Um, and I grew up in Florida, for goodness sake. So, yeah, get ready for that. But uh, there is plenty um, there is plenty to do in a town this size. And there is always something to eat. There we go. I'll I'll, I'll be there. I'll be there in, what is it, 2029? 2026. is going to go book her flights uh, <laughs> right five now. or six years in advance. It's fine. <laughs> Hopefully we're all done with all of this by then. Yes, I oh, hope so. I hope so, Barry. If we if, if we're not in six years, something's really wrong. <laughs> all right, Barry. So, who are some of the recognizable names to have come out of the Troy program through the years? Well, the uh, probably the most recognizable, and we're looking for him to be named to the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame anytime soon, is a linebacker for the Dallas Cowboys and Denver Broncos named Demarcus Ware. Um, he went to school here. Uh, there's a defensive end named O.C. Umanyora, um, who was with the yep. New York Giants, won a couple of Super Bowls. 
He went to school at Troy. As a matter of fact, he and DeMarcus played on the same teams together here at Troy. Uh, place kicker for the Giants named uh, Lawrence Tynes, who kicked a couple of game winners in the conference championship games to get them to the Super Bowl. He is a Troy alum. So there's there, there's plenty of guys. There There's lots of them who are, are on NFL rosters now, have been on NFL rosters. Like I said, there's a great legacy of football here, and some really, really good names have come through. Barry, how is how are your uh, pronunciation of Polynesian names coming along? By the way, well, I'm actually working on the spotting charts right now, and I am uh, I, I'm I, I'm pretty good on several of those as long <laughs> as they space them out. You know, Tanuvasa, I'm okay with. Yep. Um, you know, I've got. If you um, need any help, all you need to do is ask. We're here to help. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I am not. Uh, I am not overawed by this. This is not intimidating to me. I'm going into it with a, with a strong sense of uh, of self worth on this. I got this. I can get these. There, we, that's why he's a professional. That's right. right. There. That's he's it. been around a number of years. He knows what he's doing. Chip, come on. Well, I can do OC Umanyora. I can do anybody. Barry, I do. I do want to ask this. I'm just curious. How do the guys feel about coming into Provo, and what are their what are their thoughts on BYU as a whole? Well, BYU is a it's a uh, it's a blue blood program. Troy has gone into places before. There's no intimidation. You know, there's not going to be, you know, I mean, there's going to be respect, certainly, but there's no intimidation about coming to BYU um, because we've gone, you know, into, into other places like that and um, and had success. I think for for a lot of us, the trip to BYU is, you know, for a lot of our guys, it's a beautiful part of the country. It's a place they've never been before and possibly will never go again. And, and it's a really, from what they tell us, and I've been to Utah several times to do games, from what they tell us is just an absolutely breathtaking campus. They're hopeful that they get a chance to take a look at the campus. But in terms of the game itself, Lots of respect for BYU. They know a lot of the names that have been, you know, coming through the programs. They know, you know, the Jim McMahons and the Robbie Boscos and the Ty Detmers. Believe me, they know them. So mm-hmm. it's a great sense of anticipation, but it's confident anticipation, I would say. All right, Barry, one last question. And when we wrap up these interviews, and as we're getting to know the opponents, we always want to give our listeners, our BYU fans, a heads up on somebody that you feel or maybe even one thing that you feel uh, maybe fans don't know a whole lot about. So if there's a maybe an under-the-radar player that maybe isn't getting all of the spotlight, but maybe by the end of the game he's going to be somebody you'll pay attention to. Is, is there somebody or something about Troy that, that you can point to that say, maybe it's not getting talked about a whole lot, but you're going to pay attention to this during the game? Well, I, I know you'll notice this. This is one of my go-tos anytime something like that happens when people ask me for a feature idea. We've got a linebacker. He's a middle linebacker. He is a former walk-on. His name is Carlton Marshall. Remember that name uh, because when you, you know, when you watch it on TV, I guess you're not going to be there. When you hear the PA announcer, you'll hear that name a ton. He is about five feet nine. He weighs maybe 215 pounds. Like I said, a former walk-on. And he makes every tackle. He's an All-American. He was an All-American last year. He was a freshman All-American two years ago. He's the preseason conference player of the year at linebacker. You'll watch him on, on, on game day. You'll watch him out there, and you won't understand why he's making all the tackles because he's not big. He's not particularly fast. He, 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 you, know, you see him in street clothes, and he doesn't look um, you know, like, like a football player. But he makes every tackle. He led the league in, in – Tackles for loss last year. And, and I've always said one of my main challenges in doing the play-by-play at Troy is to try to think of different phraseology for Carlton Marshall makes the tackle because he makes every one of them. And I've been following football for 30 years, and I still don't understand how he does it. <laughs> he, you, you're going to enjoy watching him play. He is Barry McKnight. He's the play-by-play man for the Troy Trojans. Barry, thank you so much for taking a few minutes. We really do appreciate it. It was fantastic to talk to you, and uh, have a good call coming up on Saturday. I really appreciate it. This was enjoyable. Thank you for asking me. <laughs> coming up next, September is almost over, and BYU is only two games into their schedule. We'll take a look back at some other unique seasons in Cougar history. This is Cougar Tailgate. Did you know that the Troy State basketball team is responsible for the highest scoring game in NCAA history when they won against DeVry University, yeah, that DeVry, 258-141. to
Welcome back to Cougar Tailgate. My name is Jason Shepard. And I'm Lauren McLean. Fall is for football, duh, but this year, 80-degree days and only a couple of BYU games have made it feel like fall is coming a little later than normal. In fact, at Cougar Stats tweeted this week that this is the first time BYU has only played two games during September since 1973. Shep, how old were you in 1973? I was not born. Okay. It's close, but I was not born yet. You don't know, need to age I know me you're a hair than... older than me, but I just <laughs> And the most recent time they played less than that was the 1942 season where there wasn't a worldwide pandemic going on because there was a world war. But September 29th, 1973, again, Lauren, not born. I was <laughs> okay, not born. Okay. okay. All just right. Give you sure. Sure. Give sure. BYU won in just their second game of the season over the Pac-8. Yes, not the Pac-12 or even the Pac-10, but the Pac-8 against Oregon State. BYU didn't win a ton that season, but they did beat Utah, which, let's be honest, is always a good thing. 46-22 in Robert Rice Stadium. That was Rice-Eccles Stadium at the time. Uh, So they had that. So BYU beat Utah back in 1973. You know what? For a lot of fans, it doesn't even matter what happens the rest of the season. If they beat Utah, that is all they remember. So, so there you go. Hang on to that, Cougar. Fan. Hang on, hang on. From for all of you fans back in 1973, <laughs> hang on to that one. Oh, I'm sure they are. 73 was actually Lavelle Edwards' second year coaching, so BYU Stadium had a different name too back then. And the next year, 1974, marked the first time BYU would be nationally ranked and go to a bowl game in school history. Yeah, beginning a very long tradition for the BYU football team going to yep. bowl games. All right, the 73 team was led. By one of Lauren and I's really, really good friends. About as nice of a guy as you will ever get an opportunity to meet. One Gary Scheide. He was the The quarterback. He's fantastic. Uh, And they had a a young back by the name of Charlie Ayu. That name should sound familiar to current Cougar fans because his grandson is Chaz Ayu, the current linebacker on the BYU football team. How about that? That's nice fantastic. connection there. That is awesome. 2020 will likely be a year that we don't soon forget, but let's check to see how much we remember about 1973. <laughs> we don't actually remember anything because neither we, of us were bored. Yes, but we're pop culture enthusiasts yes! enough oh, yeah. that 70s we're hoping, were a great time. We're hoping that we will know some of this. Let's bring in our, our producer, uh, Cole Wissinger. He's going to join us on this. And, Hello, uh, folks. So now, are you essentially going to quiz us? Is that how this is going to go? I, I didn't want to be mean, but we can frame it that way if you'd like. Okay. Okay. Well, hit, I, I got some it. pop culture knowledge okay. from 1973 to okay. just entertain and educate the folks and, you know, see if they can play along and remember, like, what was the number one song on the billboard in September of 1973? Okay. So now I have to, like, completely admit that I also did some research yeah, on 1973. Yeah, cheated, Cole. So no, 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 I, really, I'm the only one honestly taking this quiz. <laughs> So, and everyone listening along. And everybody at home. listening. Oh, yeah, see, but I have some stuff that maybe if you don't get to, maybe I could bring up. And I have stuff for both 1973 and 1942. The other season, of course, where the, BYU had yes, a minimal amount game. of September yes. football games. Right, Again, so, a world war. Okay, you said the number one song. Yeah, I'm going to start playing it for you and okay. see, well, see when be you pick disco, it up. Right? Okay, let's hear it. Yeah. So Ooh, not quite disco, but the no. name of the band's Grand Funk, right? Ooh. So Grand Funk Railroad, we're an American band. Such a 70s sounding tune. It is 70s sounding. I actually wish Gary Shady was in here with us in this booth to comment on all these. Gary always talks about like his long hair he had back in the 70s that he would grow <laughs> out when he was away from campus, like during the summer at home. I feel like I need a mullet listening to this song. <laughs> I really like it. I enjoy it. All right, what else you got for us, Cole? So that's that's specific to this week, right? In 1973. Box office numbers in 1973 were much looser because people weren't like keeping track of when exactly a movie was going to come out. It was just, I mean, they were still watching Gone with the Wind and Wizard of Oz <laughs> like a ton in by 1970. They were just kept putting movies back in the sure. theater. But I did find like by it's the year's like what they're doing end, now. <laughs> anyway, true. Keep going. By the year's end, the the top box office earners that year okay. were The Exorcist and Oscar award winning The Sting. Yes. Mm. And I too knew that because that was part of my preparation for this show in looking up things that happened in 1973. The Sting, is that also a horror film? No, no, no. The Sting is with uh, Robert Redford, right? And, uh... and Paul Newman, one of the Redford-Newman flicks. Yeah, they well, they set up 
like a sting. An operation? Uh, okay, yeah, it's that yeah, kind of sting. sting. I, I don't know if it's like a giant Or a, Attack of the Killer Bees, the sting. Well, we that's could, what I was thinking. We could make that okay. movie, too. All right, cool. do, you have, do you have anything else, or do you want me to add something that I brought? Well, and finally, television, right? The okay. big, to me, the big medias, right? Music, movies, and TV. Just this week on Monday Night Football, they were celebrating their 50th year of Monday. They wore those glorious yellow blazers, right. throwing it back. Uh, Monday Night Football was in its third year, and it was barely in the top 20 on the Nielsen ratings. Wow. It was September. a completely new concept. Yeah. We think that football like dominates the ratings because it does nowadays, but it was a different world back in the 70s. <laughs> what well, was it? I cannot wait to hear what topped It was a time football. when... All in the Family and mm-hmm. the Waltons yep. were both drawing more viewers on a given day in Monday Night Football. Uh, Don't forget, because I, I too have All in the Family, the Waltons, but the other highest rated shows of the year, Sanford and Son. Okay, wow, yep. MASH, of course. Of course, MASH. And Hawaii Five-0. I mean, which are great TV shows. All things that now you find on, like, Nick at Night... <laughs> That are all the retro shows, uh-huh. you know? I mean, the Super Bowls every year when they break records for who's watching, they're breaking the MASH season finale. That was like the <laughs> first true. appointment television. All right, so can I, can I give you guys a couple of things then? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do sports first. This will let you know just how long ago this was. Because the Miami Dolphins won the Super Bowl. Wow. Over the, the Vikings. That was that was yeah. the year after their undefeated season. After their season, undefeated season, they which they still celebrate every time somebody oh. lo- everybody loses a game that they're still the only undefeated team. Can't the <laughs> Oakland Athletics won the World Series okay. in 73. And the Knicks won the NBA Finals. So it's been All these so teams long- have really gone downhill yes. since 73. Is there a curse? The Dolphins, the A's, and the <laughs> Knicks were all champions. That lets you know how long ago this was. Was there a 73 curse? <laughs> no, no. For all of our uh, all hockey teams. friends, uh, the Montreal Canadiens won the Stanley Cup. How about that? Okay. That's because it was the 70s, and the Canadiens, I think, won like eight or nine out of it's the true. Stanley Cups I- that I'm decade. sorry, it's pronounced the Canadiens? Yeah, the Montreal Canadiens. Canadians. Were you just saying I'm, the Canadians? Well, I, I, I'm listen. I'm not a sorry Harrison Collier, but I'm not a huge hockey fan. So I, especially from the '70s, are there still Canadians? Is that still? Yeah, the Montreal Canadiens still play. It's. I mean, you oh, just well. throw the extra little accent into it. Yes. It's because it's French Canada over there in Montreal, and so. Well, Cole said it first. I'm like, he said that a little strange, and then Shep, you said Canadians. I'm like, what is happening here? We could consult with Greg Rubel, the resident Canadian. That is true. Okay. In that is our. True. Okay, so now, now this, okay, is, this is some stuff that's going to blow your mind, all right? The average cost of a brand new home in 1973. I'm oh, g- this is going to be painful for, for the ev- millennial over here in the room it, that doesn't even, own a don't home Don't even yet. tell me because <laughs> I'm looking, guess. I'm looking at a guess. home. The average the cost, average of, a new cost home of a new home in 1973 was what? I'm going to go with uh, 68. Oh, 000. my goodness. 32.5. No! Can you, you imagine? The average home. The average home in 1972 cost 32.5. All right. How much about oh, for a new car? I a wish. brand a brand new car. <laughs> hey, much? a brand new car. Come on down. Um okay, I'll go with let's say brand new car 10,000. $3200. Oh my gosh! <laughs> that is about how much my ten-year-old Yaris cost whenever I bought it. That's the, look. That is the amount that uh, that my dad spent on buying my oldest son his car that was from two thousand and eight. Yep. So it's like a twelve-year-old car he got for that price. Take me back to the seventies, please. Okay, this one surprised me. This one is not as far off as I expected it to be. Gallon of milk only a dollar thirty-one. No, that cause because what is it now? Like two dollars? It's like two fifty, two seventy. Uh-huh. But but it, in recent years, it's been one ninety nine. So it hasn't been okay. Gallon of gas though. Let's uh, uh, say thirty cents. Forty cents. Mm. Oof. And, I'm and, low and we're in a good, by the way. I mean, we the pandemic's been bad yes. for a lot of things. It's yes. been good for gas prices. Like right. it was four bucks you, a few months. Sorry ago. if you work in oil, but first, cla- first class stamp. What is it now? Forty five cents. I haven't had to buy a stamp forever. It's like, it buy the little like forever cents. stamp. It doesn't yeah. even say it how much it was. It was five cents, wasn't it? Uh, eight cents. Okay. I knew it was around there. <laughs> All right. Do we have time to get to the uh, to the 1942 stuff? We definitely do. All right. So now, do you have stuff on 42? I don't. This okay, will be all right. new to me. Okay. All right. So this is... I'm, I'm very excited. All right. So, <laughs> I'm guessing Grand Funk Railroad was not making cutting songs, <laughs> cutting Ship singles has a really in 1942. Huge right Grand now. Funk Railroad, I do not believe, was around in 1942. <laughs> Shame. Okay. All right. Now, some of this, I do not have 
like the movies and stuff. This is mostly like the cost of living type stuff. If you wanted, since BYU is a is a, a Coca-Cola school, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If you wanted to buy a bottle of Coca-Cola, because back then you bought bottles, how much was a bottle of Coca-Cola going to cost you in 1942? Uh, uh, Ten cents. I'll guess a nickel. A nickel. Right on the money. Cole, don't pretend like you didn't do research I, I for this. Took, I took the under. That's what I, I, I thought ten Okay, so do you remember well. what I said? I'm the I only said, honest one in this Do you remember what I know. said that the average home price was yes, in 73, 32, 35, What is the average uh, new house price in 1942? This is going to... Blow your minds. Okay, but we're this is probably a house with like maybe two bedrooms, two bedrooms and ten people living. A tiny here. kitchen, exactly. So I'm going to go with let's say nine thousand thirty seven hundred dollars. Oh my, gosh. that is approximately what the car was by 1973. <laughs> yes. yes. Okay. Average wage per year in 1942. Fifteen thousand. 1800 per year. No. Just, actually, it's just shy of, of 19. It's 188. All right, I'll bust through some of these. The cost of a gallon of gas in 1942, 15 cents. The average, if you wanted to rent a house, the rental market is just nuts right now in, in all over, mm-hmm. specifically, obviously, here in, in the state of Utah as well. Right. Average cost to rent a house, if you had $35, you could rent a house per month. <laughs> 35 bucks a month. Hey, which was actually kind of steep. And speaking of, well, yeah, back then. If you then, think about that. If you're only bringing in 1800 yes, a year. Yes, exactly. I'm like, whoa, 35 bucks. Okay, but. so if the, if the average per year is 1880 the average wage per year, the average price for a brand new car was $920. That was basically half of their yearly salary. Yeah, that's a, on that average. was a lot of money for them. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it would probably be half my salary to buy a new car now. So, <laughs> oh, so guys, there we go. Memory lane. Well, wow. None of us were alive in 73 or certainly 42. And our 42. parents probably weren't alive in 42. Well, some people's parents My were parents alive. were not alive in 42, you certainly in parents. 73. But Wow. Well, those are some really fun facts. Again, those were the uh, two years, the last time BYU played Two games two or, or less, less in September. Yeah, we weren't just throwing out random facts <laughs> about years for no reason. I just wanted to remind everybody why we were <laughs> focusing on these random facts. And the last time that there were this few fans in the stands for a BYU game, Ooh. you have to go back to the 1940s when BYU actually took a few years off for the war between 43, 44, and 45 because the number is going to be zero. Yeah. And we're going to talk about that, actually, coming up on the other side. We had hoped that there would be at least 6,000 fans. We found out this week that was not going to be the case. Zero. Zero is the number. We will uh, talk about that coming up on the other side. This is Cougar Tailgate. Now, you probably knew that BYU won the national championship in 1984. But did you know that also in 84, Troy won the D2 championship game? over North Dakota State. Welcome back. At the Cougar Tailgate, we aim to bring fans together. We get an inside look into opposing teams, like when we spoke to Barry McKnight from Troy earlier today, and we dive into BYU traditions and help our national fan base feel like they're in Provo for the game. But guess what, national fan base? (laughs) We're all in the same boat because nobody, in fact, gets to be in the stadium for the game today. Yeah, uh, earlier in the week, in fact, uh, the statement from BYU came out on Tuesday afternoon. Um, and it said, in accordance with the state of Utah's announcement today, moving Provo from low or the yellow to a moderate or orange risk COVID-19 designation, the BYU-Troy football game on Saturday will be played without fans at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Uh, Also said the state's announced designation for Provo causes a 14-day period, which means that BYU versus Louisiana Tech on February, or excuse me, on Friday, October 2nd, will also be played without fans. So basically, because the designation, not for Utah County, but just Provo and Orem, has been changed to the the higher risk, 
no games, or excuse me, yeah, no games can feature fans uh, for BYU uh, to start the season. So you, two, the first two games, no fans. And you know what's in Provo Norm, right? Uh, that would be BYU <laughs> two universities. and UVU, which actually came out this week, a joint statement saying everybody wow. needs to kind of rally together and try and curve this spike that, that they're seeing within the two cities. So obviously this is not unfamiliar for the BYU football team since they did it at Navy. They played with zero fans there. So they're going to be used to uh, hearing actually what their quarterback is saying to them and what the sideline is saying. So I, I think it'll be strange for the football team, but they're used to it. It's just more for the fans. Like, how crazy is it going to be watching TV and seeing zero people in the Edwards Stadium? Well, yeah, it will be strange. The, the thing is, this is going to affect a minute amount of people. And obviously, if you had tickets to go, if you were going to be part of the 6,000, like, I feel really, I feel horrible for you because I know how exciting that was going to be. Yeah. And quite honestly, it was going to be one of those games like, look, only 6,000 people got into this game and I was one of them. It was going to be one of those stories you're going to get to tell. So I feel really bad for those that aren't going to be able to go to it. But in terms of the, the overall fan base for BYU, 99.9% of the fan base was going to have to watch this on TV anyway. So from yeah. that standpoint, it, it doesn't affect things that much. But obviously having fans in there, you know, helps with concessions and things like that. So there's certainly a domino effect that, that goes into a place now that you're not going to have any of those fans there. Yeah, it's, that's, it's just super, super weird. It's just a strange, strange year in so many ways. I, well, as you were talking, I was just picturing the football team being in the tunnel. You know how pumped they get? Yeah. It's awesome. With the being, smoke and everything. Oh, it's so awesome being on the field, watching them come out, and then they, they run out of the tunnel and they're like, oh, there's nobody here. Like, that's, that's got to be well, the strangest feeling. And you brought it up. BYU's faced this. Yes. Troy actually played in front of some fans at Middle Tennessee last week. So this will actually be their first game in a stadium without, without fans. fans. Now, it wasn't a, a large number of fans there in Murfreesboro, but there were people in the stands. So they had some semblance of crowd and ambiance, natural crowd and ambiance, that that BYU still hasn't experienced yet, having just the one game at Navy with no fans. And I'm I'm curious if uh, BYU's marketing team is still going to do something kind of like they do in the NBA bubble. You know how they have the the virtual the, fans. Yes, the virtual fans and the you know cheering when the home team, quote unquote, home team does something well. Blah blah blah. I wonder if BYU is going to be doing something like that in the stadium. I hope so. Yeah, that will be that'll be something uh, that'll be something to to pay attention to not obviously not just with the game against Troy but but moving forward cuz you know originally 6000 was going to be the number that was going to be involved from a fan perspective in the first game. The hope and what was the overall number they were hoping to get to was capping out at 24,000 and the hope was okay, you start with 6 and then as things get better, you can start letting more and more in. And eventually, it would get capped out at twenty four thousand, which which I believe is roughly forty percent of capacity mm-hmm. at Lavelle Edwards Stadium, because that's sixty three. Yeah, sixty three thousand is is capacity. For so the now stadium. now you got to wonder if the first two games you're not going to have any fans. If the third game, do, do you go to six? And do you ever get? If obviously, if the spike continues, you you won't get higher than that. Right. So a lot of this is just based on how the the current spike continues, whether it continues up and then you, you don't have fans continuing. If things start to go the other direction and things are better, after the 14 days it gets reevaluated and, and then you see where you are. There's so many things that are unknown right now um, that you know. the only thing we do know is for the first two BYU football games, no fans. That's all we know. Right. I, and I think, I think you plan on not having fans, honestly. I think that's just what you plan on and then and then hope for the best that you may be able to watch one BYU football game in person. So as for the away games, we're still. So I know at Houston, I believe they're going to be and that's able the to only have away some game BYU fans. Has. Yes. yes. So in Houston, they will be having some fans because I know some people that have bought tickets to that. But that could still be up in the air. We we don't know. Well, see, and this is what and you brought up the NBA bubble, and I have to say, specifically with the NBA, and and I even felt this. Because obviously Greg and the broadcast team were were back in Annapolis for the game, and I was doing all my studio stuff here at the studio here in Provo at BYU Radio. So I was watching it on the monitor anyway. I was listening to Greg and then watching it on a TV in front of me. 
once the game started, they've they've done a really good job, and the NBA did a great job of this. That the cameras have zoomed in enough that you're not yes. getting a look of of a lot of other things outside of the court or in the the terms for football on the field. So really, if you're watching it at home, it doesn't really feel or look that much different. So from that standpoint, I, I think people are going to enjoy it like they always have. I definitely had that thought while watching the Navy game. I, at the very beginning, you realize it. You're like, whoa, there are no fans. And then you kind of forget about it as they're, as they're playing the game. You don't, you don't think about that at all. But it's amazing being at college football games. So I'm just hoping and praying that eventually something happens and uh, – Fans will be able to to go in the stadium. Well, and it's interesting that you say that this week. Um, safety Zane Anderson had mentioned, you know, one of the things that we all have to remind ourselves, and he was talking about him and his teammates, is we are extremely lucky that we are playing football right mm-hmm. now. That's that's the important part for them is that they have been given an opportunity to play football, regardless of what the circumstances circumstances are around it, whether there's fans, no fans. Whatever the case is, he's grateful for the opportunity to play. And I think that that is a sentiment that I would expect most players this season playing in college football or any sport would echo. I love that. And all around the country. And you see them tweeting that out on Twitter and everything like, we just want to play football. Yep. We don't we don't care how, where, when, but but let's play football. So this is going to be a year to remember. And to sum up the show, we talked to Barry McKnight today. We remembered past football seasons. <laughs> uh, some Crazy some fun great facts trivia. From 73 and 42. Facts. And I'm sorry, but uh, talked about how there will be zero fans in the stadium at the game today. But thanks for listening. You can join the Cougar Tailgate virtually, of course, every Saturday at noon Mountain Time or download, rate, and review our podcast Wherever you get podcasts, Apple, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, or on BYURadio.org. It's Louisiana Tech next week, but first, it's time for Troy. This is Cougar Tailgate.